a new place to generate power and conserve water. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. There are 4,000 miles of canals in California that transport water, mostly from the north part of the state to the south. The conveyance system is the largest in the world, providing drinking water and irrigating millions of acres of farmland. And that requires a lot of pumps, making the canals California's largest consumer of electricity. Now researchers at the University of California, Santa Cruz, say that covering the canals with solar panels could generate electricity and conserve water at the same time. Besides generating power, converting the canals would save more than 60 billion gallons of water from evaporating each year. That's roughly the amount of water needed to irrigate 50,000 acres of farmland or to meet the residential needs of over 2 million people. Another benefit to putting panels over canals is that croplands wouldn't have to be converted to sprawling solar farms. There would be fewer aquatic weeds that are costly to remove and the water running under the solar panels would cool them, keeping them efficient when temperatures rise. The saguaro cactus is an icon of Arizona. Its image is everywhere in the state, even on license plates. But climate change may be threatening the species. Saguaro have grown in the Sonoran Desert for 10,000 years, mostly in the mountains west from Tucson to California. The Washington Post reports that record-breaking heat last year led to thousands of the cacti being burned. The fires were kindled by an invasive plant from South Africa called buffelgrass, which forms a flammable carpet around the saguaro. The Sonoran Desert Museum says that buffelgrass has transformed what was a fireproof desert into fire-prone grassland with a heavy continuous layer of fuel. The buffelgrass thrives in hotter, drier conditions, and last summer the monsoon rains never came. Also, 2020 was Tucson's driest year on record, and wildfires burned for seven weeks, devastating thousands of the cacti. Now, many are volunteering to map and pull the invasive plant from the region in a program called Save Our Saguaros. It's been known for about five years that feeding seaweed to dairy cattle could reduce the amount of methane they belch, which contributes to global warming. A new study from the University of California, Davis, looks at the effects of feeding kelp to beef cattle and found that a bit of seaweed could substantially reduce methane emissions. Methane is a potent greenhouse gas, and agriculture is responsible for 10% of its emissions in the U.S. Half of that comes from cows and other ruminant animals that burp methane throughout the day as they digest grass and hay. Last summer, the researchers added about three ounces of seaweed to the diet of 21 beef cattle every day for five months from the time they were small living on the range through their later days on the feedlot. The scientists tracked the animals' weight gain and emissions and found they added as many pounds as other cows but burped 82 percent less methane. And a panel of tasters found no difference in the flavor of the kelp-fed beef. In 1958, 
a magnitude 7.8 earthquake in southeast Alaska triggered a tsunami so tall it ran 1,700 feet up a mountainside before retreating back out to sea. Now researchers at the University of Alaska Fairbanks think melting glaciers were partly to blame. Alaska has some of the world's largest glaciers, which can be thousands of feet thick and cover hundreds of square miles. The weight of the ice causes the land beneath it to sink, but when a glacier melts, the ground springs back like a sponge. The authors say that rebounding is much like bread rising in an oven. It spreads in all directions. And as the land rises, it's easier for tectonic plates beneath it to slip. The researchers ran models of seismic activity and ice loss starting in 1920 and found that the majority of the sizable earthquakes were linked to melting. As Science Alert reports, rebounding in Alaska is among the fastest on Earth, and studies link a 1979 magnitude 7.2 quake to melting nearby. The scientists say that their findings don't mean glacier is going to trigger earthquakes everywhere ice exists, but could affect their timing and severity where active fault lines are close by, such as in southern Alaska. And finally, sperm whales have the largest brains of all known mammals. But does size matter? Possibly so, because according to new research, in the early days of whaling, the animals figured out how to outsmart humans. Looking at logbooks from 19th century whalers, researchers saw that in the span of just two years, crews were complaining that their catch had dropped by more than half. And the logs don't indicate that their harpoon aim got worse or that they had picked off all the weakest whales. To the contrary, the hunters began to realize that the animals were communicating with each other and outmaneuvering them. Prior to the hunters' arrival, the biggest threat to sperm whales were orcas, and to defend themselves, the whales would form circles and then use their powerful tails to keep the predators away. But forming a tight group made the whales a perfect target for harpooners, so the animals changed their behavior and began swimming upwind of the boats or attacking them directly. Also, they spread the word so other whales, even those who had never encountered humans, could learn getaway tactics. Ultimately, whalers in the 20th century got the upper hand with steamships and explosive harpoon guns decimating populations. Today, sperm whales are listed as endangered and safeguarded by the Marine Mammal Protection Act and international whaling agreements, so their numbers are rebounding. Despite that, whales are vulnerable to ship strikes, ocean plastic, climate change, and likely their greatest peril, noise pollution, which no matter how smart they are, they may find impossible to evade. That's it for this week in water. See you next time.